I tell you what, I tell you how important children's ministry is. Today is a first in the Brown family. I have my son, Sterling Brown, in our church in L.A. And this morning he is kicking off and leading worship. And all that's happened because where he got started, right up here. And I can tell you, I got to encourage you about taking care of our children. Because as a matter of fact, when we took him out to California, he's pursuing his acting career. The first question I asked, did he act in church? Did he act in school? And they kept asking that because they said this one thing. We're so happy that we want kids that have character. And when I tell you, character is developed from the little age up. So don't ever, don't ever say you can't help a child because the benefit is that you raise the children who are assets, not liabilities. Amen. And I want to welcome you to our third installment of our series, the Weird Series. This one's called Weird Desires. If you've been following us the last uh, two weeks, last week we talked about um, weird is okay. I think that's what it was, wasn't it? Weird is better. Sorry. And this one here is Weird Desires. And I'm going to give you a theme scripture on this whole series. It comes out of Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and verse 14. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide. And the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. Everyone said many. many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Everyone say few. few. In the last few weeks, what we've been saying, we say normal people go through the wide gate, which are many. And we say the, the weird people, which are us believers, we go through the narrow gate, the few. And I love the Marine Corps' uh, motto. God, and I always put it this way. God is looking for a few good men and women to change the world. And we are men and women who can change the world, change our campus, change our city. Because he's looking for the few who will wake up to forsake it all and follow him. In today's installment, we're going to talk about weird desires. Now, desires is such an amazing thing because God created our desires. And everything that God created is on the positive. And he's the creator of all things. But we know is that everything that God created, the devil has perverted. And we call the devil the, the counterfeit. So even when we start to talk about desires in church, we get upset or we get the temperature rises when we say the word sex. But God created sex to be good. So some of those things you'll hear today, but don't let, don't let your temperature rise because what God created was positive. And what the devil does, he counterfeits it, he perverts it, and he keeps us from talking about it. And where else should we talk about it but in church? Because they're talking about it everywhere else in the wrong vein. But why don't we talk about the way God put it? So I'm going to take you, let's go to a scripture, 1 John verse 2, 16. And if you don't have your Bible, we have it on the screen. I'll be using the ESV version today in all my scriptures. Here it is. For all that's in the world, desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and the pride and possessions, is not from the Father, but it's from the world. Let's go to Romans chapter 13, verse 13 and 14. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies, in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh 
to gratify its desire. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today, and we thank you, God, that you reorder our steps. For not praying that I get delivered ideas, I pray we would you deliver revelation, because through revelation comes discernment, and Father, from discernment brings direction. And I pray that you change all our direction, our hearts, about this subject of weird desires. Holy Spirit, you come and you teach us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now you look at the word desire in the two scriptures that I shared with you. It really means the word, some versions have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. It means a lust. It means craving, a longing desire for what is forbidden. What is forbidden? And if you look at this, these three things, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, or pride in possession, that who has pride or is always bragging, it says that means they have, they're bragging about their accomplishments. But if you look at this from the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, he created them pure and gave them everything they needed to have. And the devil came around and perverted what God had created. And those three things we see in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, when Eve was deceived by the devil, by the serpent. It says, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of it and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And I remember growing up as a child, Hanna-Barbera had those cartoons, and they always showed that Adam was way down the street. And he said, no, don't eat it. Adam was standing right there when she did that. And the three things that you see would happen there. The tree was good for food. Number two, it was pleasant to the eyes. Number three, it desired to make one wise, the flesh, the eyes, and the pride. And I don't know about you, growing up, had a big yard. I'm from New York City, lived in South Ozone Park, had a great yard. It had a, had a great big tree, swing set, and I can play all through the backyard, my mother said. Same thing with Adam and Eve. They had everything, and God was the giver. And then my mother had this one stipulation. Don't go across the street. So guess where my attention span went? Human nature. Don't do this. Why not? Am I missing something across the street? Did God say you'll surely die? Are we missing out on something? And I remember... The big yard, everything. Go to the street. The street was calling my name. Go to the street, Rich. Go to the street. <laughs> and I said, the street. <laughs> and I hit the street. And my day growing up, I got hit back. <laughs> I remember pain. And then I lost my privileges. So I couldn't play in the yard anymore. I had to go sit in my room after the spanking. Do we still spank today? 
Okay, just making sure. I could tell some of y'all haven't been, but it's okay. <laughs> the spanking. Had to go sit there and meditate on why I didn't listen. Human nature, falling from God. We want to do what we want to do. The, the street overtook my logic of how much I had in my backyard. The same thing with the fruit that Adam and Eve took, overtook everything. That God gave them everything. The idea of God at the very beginning was to spread the Garden of Eden out, not to throw us out. And what happened? It got flipped because of our desires. And I want to spend some time on the desires. We talked about some of those things. Sexual immorality. Drunkenness. We call those today diseases. There's a big word for that. It's called sin. When you call it what it is, it's a whole lot easier to get rid of it. Come on now. Because you've got to come up with a cure for a disease, but there's a pure cure for sin, which his name is Jesus Christ. Simple. Let's go. Because we're going to talk about normal people who go down the broad way, the wide. Normal people do this. They want it now, not later. I want it now. I love this commercial. It's my money and I want it. Isn't that hard? You got to sell it. It's my money and I want it. It's my money and I want it. Oh, man, they're just sleeping over here. <laughs> and you forgot when you get that money, it's not yours anymore. Because a month later, it's their money, and they want it. Thank you. Luke chapter 15, verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. This is the, the story of the prodigal son who grew up with an awesome dad. We know the end of the story. He was actually entitled to this inheritance. But he wanted it right now. His older brother gets the double um, standard, but he gets a, a great, great price. He gets a lot of things from his dad. And what he was saying there, Dad, I really don't need you anymore. Give me my stuff now. Think about the world today. Everybody wants it now. I remember growing up with layaway. Remember layaway? Guess what? I read this morning that layaway is coming back. Now, amazing. That means when you go do things on layaway, you buy it, you put it in the store, and you can go shopping and look, this is what I bought. I'll be getting it in about three months. That's mine. <laughs> Versus I want it now, and if you're in the military, you want to do it now, and you forget that you move so much when you want it now. You want to build a house, and you, you stay, say you're in Texas for a couple years, and I want a big screen TV, and I want this, I want that. And they say, you're going to Korea, you can't take it. And you bought it with a credit card. And guess what we do? We have a garage sale. 
and we sell it to the guy who has cash. And you're still paying for that TV that someone bought for cash that you don't have anymore because you wanted it now. Same thing with our credit cards. We want it now. But layaway, you buy it, it's yours. Wait a while. It's called delayed gratification. Wait a while. God, like, we want a mate. We want a mate now. I'm getting old. I want a wife. I want a husband. And we try to help God out with the plan. And we get close. And, you know, God wants you to be someone that is equally yoked, who follows Jesus Christ. And they have a, you get somebody, well, they're not there yet, but I'm going to help them come to church. You're starting to help God out. God doesn't need our help because you want it. It's okay to say now. You can say that in church. You see, the young man, he got it too soon because he lost it just that quickly. But the one thing I love about our God, whatever we lose, he redeems, he restores, he brings it back. But he could have learned how to spend his money staying with his father a little while longer. Sometime you've been praying, some of you in here have been praying some dangerous prayers, and you're thinking God is not answering those prayers. Yes, he is, because before he can bless you with something, he has to prepare you to receive it. Because if you don't not prepare to receive it, you'll blow it. So take your time, because God has a plan for each and every one of our lives. And don't short-circuit it by trying to help him out. The next thing normal people do, they sacrifice their destiny for a desire. This is Joshua chapter, chapter 27, chapter, um, verse 21. We call it the sin of Achan, but really it was the sin of the people because... Basically, this is Joshua. When they went into the promised land, chapter 6, they had to fight. Their first fight was the, um, the battle of Jericho. And we all know that from Sunday school. How they marched around in seven times. And then God gave them the city. And the next one, they decide, well, we'll just take a couple hundred of us because these guys are kind of weak. Bad answer. They forgot to ask God first what to do. Second thing, God told them, when you go in, do not take, do not take, Anything that is not yours. Do not take the money. Do not take anything that you see is going to go into my treasury. Well, they went in, took the land, and Achan decided, I had to look at He saw something. He coveted something, and he took something. And it affected the whole nation. And this is what we got. And they went in the fight. They got chased down. 36 people got killed. Now, that's, you say, that's a small amount of people. No, because when God's army is on, on point, no one dies. So they had to come back and find out who sinned. And can I say something, guys? Sin is not a personal matter, especially when God calls us the body of Christ. When one part of the body is broken, we all are affected by it. 
We're as strong as our smallest, as our weakest person in the body of Christ. He talks, he builds jointly. He doesn't build individually. He said this, when I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shanna and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them and took them and see they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. Now, at the end of this, through the law, he wind up only taking, on today's value, $700 worth of merchandise. And him and his family lost their lives because they wanted to take care of that desire. They, forfeit their, they forfeited their destiny, his inheritance. Because if you go to the next chapter, in chapter 8, when they went into Ai to take it, God gave them all the things back. Whatever they captured, recovered, was theirs. So would he have more than $700? And how many are we hearing about today? Senators, congressmen, they're the second coming, the next John Kennedy, throw it away for a desire, throw away their life for an affair, throw it all away. And they sacrificed their destiny for one minute of pleasure. That's how much our decisions, guys, are so. Every decision we make is a spiritual decision because we live in a spiritual world. We're either going to give a, we're going to give a great decision on a negative or a positive. And that's amazing there because he gave it up. They killed him. By law, he had to die. Not just him, his family. And it said the whole nation sinned. See, when you talk about the body of Christ, we're talking about family. You know, we all have those family members who are not making it. And it still affects us all because we're family. God builds in family, not in individuals. That's why it's so huge. Again, he saw it, he covered it, he took it and tried to hide it. Why? Normal people will sacrifice their destiny for a desire. And I'm a man that has a, fa- had a, family, has a family growing up who have, I have family members who are not here today because they sacrifice their destiny for a desire. My best friend, all he wanted, he says, I'm not a drug addict since I can take some methadone. He took one hit of methadone. It killed him. And he had it all. Out of every decision we make, young people, seasoned people, is a spiritual decision. And it has to be ordained and backed up by God. Because if they would have checked with God first, God would have told them, you can't advance because there's sin in the camp. But they decide to go. Every decision, you understand, every decision we make, it's a life or death decision. And we're seeing people fail out. Because we're the ones with the answers. 
We're the ones that have all the answers to our own community. Because we have Christ. Not to say we have him and not do anything with him, but to take what he has given us and share it with other people and actually change our community. But we're not normal people. If you're a believer of Jesus Christ, you're what we call weird, but we're also called different. Let me tell you what different people do. Let me tell you what weird people do. Psalms 37.4, different people seek God until his desires becomes their desires. You know why? Because we have to seek God in everything that we're doing. You know why? If you don't seek God by faith, how, destruct, how destructive is unbelief? You know why I have a quote here? Unbelief is always content to settle for something less than God's best. When we don't trust God with our life, we go into unbelief, and then we settle for second best. We settle for the less than um, the mate or someone wanted, God wanted to give us. We settle for the financial ruin. We settle for so much when we walk in unbelief because we don't believe God, the great provider, knows what he's doing. And he says in his word in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope. If I, if I already know God has a plan, I don't have to worry about my plan because it's a single purpose plan. See? Psalm 37.4. I love this. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. When he talks about delighting himself in the Lord, you delighting yourself in the Lord, having your, all your fun, all your energy, all that relationship, the intimacy with Christ. See, you can tell when people aren't delighting in the Lord because they're not smiling anymore. Not a superficial smile. There's no joy. My wife said, you need to get rid of that pep in your step. I like that pep. When you, when you, got, you know, when you delight yourself in the Lord, you got a little jump. Why? Because if you try to delight yourself in the stuff, God, it doesn't work. I got some, we got some strong men in here, and we've all fell victim to this. We want to support. We want to really provide for our family. And we pour ourselves in our job. But we sacrifice that for the destiny of our kids. On a great thing, but it became a God thing, which makes it a bad thing. We find our identity in our jobs, trying to support our families. And I'm guilty of that. We all fall for it. But then we learn to delight ourselves in the Lord. And guys don't like, delight, that's not, that don't sound masculine. You better believe Jesus was a masculine man. <laughs> you take a beat and not hit back. Come on, somebody hit you. Someone step on your toe, you ready to, yeah. <laughs> he was a masculine man. 
says, delight yourself in the Lord. Not in the cars, not in the loans. I don't think anybody recognized where our nation is. It's by design. God is shaking some things. He's trying to take the nominal Christians and say, it's time for you to make a decision. One thing I learned about crisis, it makes you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. And he's saying for us, I've been walking with God for a little while, but it's getting boring. I come to church and I fall asleep. He's saying, you better wake up, young man, seasoned woman, seasoned man, because it's not about that. Some things are happening. The things we used to trust in, we can't anymore. They try to give us technology. We got what we call the smartphone, right? I got a smartphone, but I told my wife I have my dumb operator. <laughs> I don't know what that thing does. I know how to turn it on turn it, and get, you do that, text. My son taught me to text. But it, it's a smartphone, but I'm a dumb operator. It's okay. I can call myself dumb. I'm not that good at that thing. I got fat fingers. <laughs> but you delight yourself in the Lord because then life becomes fun. And he'll give you those desires. He'll reshape your desires, the natural ones, the ones that God has given you, and he puts it in the purest form. Woo, man. And he makes it good. And you can wait. Because you know our God has your best intent. Second thing that weird people do, different people do, we walk by the Spirit. Now, I wish I was walking by the Spirit when my mom said, get away from the street. Because it's what happens. There's a war that goes on with us. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See that word desire again? For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from what? Let's all in that together. Keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Because let's be real. We want to do what we want to do. I wanted to go across the street. My mother, the Holy Spirit, said, don't go across the street. I went across the street. Consequences, but I'm still here. She did not kill me. I'm glad we serve a God that does not kill you when you step out of bounds. But he gives you some good bounds. I love boundaries. I can, I can thrive on that. But it's a spiritual thing because every decision we make is a spiritual decision. It's either by the flesh or it's by the spirit. And what happens when we pursue things? We want to have fun with things. We forsake that which God has given us. Versus giving to him and all things flow out of him. I can't take credit for having a great marriage. I can't take credit for having an awesome son. I can't take credit for that. Why? Because God is the one that's doing the moving and the grooving and the forming. I have, I'm the goalie. I kick him back into play. I give him some principles, but I'm only as good as what God tells me to do. My son gave me this. He says, I'm able to follow God because I watch you follow God. Who I watch other people follow God. 
because I know every decision we make is a spiritual decision. We walk by the Spirit, and you know when it's wrong, don't we? We know when we're out of balance, because if you know if you're doing things by God's way, you don't hide it. You're proud of it, that God gave you revelation for it. You don't hide it. Because my question, I always ask people for counseling when they come in. My wife taught me this question. So is a whole object. Whole, takes care of the whole counseling session. I said this, did God tell you to do that? Well, um, when there's no answer, that's where you went wrong. Did God tell you to do that? No. Last thing is, because I'm again, we said this early on, that it is hard to walk the narrow road. And it's so hard to try to walk it by yourself. Oh, my gosh. But God builds in family. The last thing God wants you to do, and I want this is going to be your action step for everybody here today, is to flee what is wrong and pursue what is right with others who have the same heart. And that word same heart, that heart means free from the corrupt desires. And he's talking about family. I know we have some guests here, and you walked into a place that said, these are few and in-between people. I've never seen a church like this where everyone looks different. And all different nationalities are, are, are here because we believe here. Diversity. We know that Martin Luther King had a dream, and we decided to fulfill that dream here in Abilene, Texas. And I love that his, his, his statue's on in, in Washington, D.C. But I'm not loving it because he's a black man on Washington, D.C. I'm loving it because he's a preacher on Washington, D.C. Come on, somebody. And you come into this place. Some of you guys have been here. Some of you talk, do I want to connect? Do I want to get involved? Get into something involved that is only God is creating. We can't take credit for any of this. One of our, um, our mission statements, connect, grow, serve. That's why we spend the whole month of September saying, if you want to become a member, you want to go on the foundations, you can sign up and start in October. We have life groups that you can join because this is a church that is ordained by God to change our world. You don't know how connected. When I looked at that video today, and they talked about New York City, when 9-11 hit, they're celebrating today a church in downtown New York, 10-year anniversary, that was planted there a couple days later. Do you know how that church got planted? They called all around the, the states. In Abilene, Texas, this church, we sent two teams, university team, an adult team, to help establish a thriving church now has three different campuses and they're moving and shaking New York for Christ. Just part of something that's missional. And we know that we can touch the campus. We know we will make a difference in the Air Force Base. We know we can touch the middle schools and the, and the regular schools. We can touch all things. We're a people who are different. And we don't even look the same. Woo, that is awesome. No one has to look like me. No one has to talk like me. But we're on mission. Wow. I don't like green, uh, green bean casserole. Thank you, brother. 
But I love Jesus. And I love, I got guys who know how to cook with charcoal. But let me, can I give you an example of what you, you're looking at today? Because you get a snapshot on Sunday mornings. Sammy, come up here. Terry, come up here. Now keep me from crying, okay? Come together. Just come together. Turn your belt back. Just turn it. Turn it around. You know what's amazing? Get to meet with guys in a life group. We start off as friends. Then we grow to brothers. When I hear these guys talk about one another, about how much they love each other, how much they support one another. He's at his house helping him fix things. He's at his house. You know something? We are changed. We're different. Yeah, we are unique. Yes, we are weird. Because the only way people think this can happen, unless we're both either chaplains or cops, because no one will see this happen anywhere else except in the kingdom of God. That's what we, who we are. Thank you, guys. And I, love, and I meet with these guys all the time. They're going to get on me on Tuesday for bringing them up here. But I want to really tell you, you flee from that which you can't handle on your own. And you start pursuing righteousness and joy and peace with those who are not perfect, but we have sincere hearts. I want to welcome you to come out, to join. The college students, we get to feed you guys. That's going to be an awesome deal. And everyone else, you go to these tables. Sign up. Try it out. Become part of history. Because I'm here to tell you, we are here to make history. And I can brag, because only God does this. I'm here to tell you what an amazing set of people we walk with. And you're an amazing set of people. And God has a plan for each and every one of your lives. But the only way that you'll find that out is through friendship and definition. Because my life, I felt, was insignificant until I joined this army here. And it defined who I was. Because definition only happens in the body. Not outside there. So we take those who say they're alcoholics. No, they're not. They're an arm. They're part of the body. They might have did those things, but now they're renewed. They're redeemed. And we are doing great things for God. Again, I want to encourage you. This is an action step. Walk with a few good men and women of God because we all have to forsake something to get here. And you lose. You think you lose when you come here, but you don't. I talk to my wife all the time. Man, when we first got here, try to preach down an African-American church. You're out of here. And I got brothers that say, how come you keep going that type of church? Because I want to change the world. And now I'm, li- I'm married to a light-skinned African-American. They look at me. They look at her. What are y'all doing here? To change the world. To make 
a difference. And that's exciting. Every head bowed.